Welcome to Liquid Church Media. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tim Lucas. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins. Happy birthday, dear Zerah. Some of you are like, whose birthday is it? You, you know, it's actually, I, I had a birthday this past week, but this is not for me. I always love it when you have to sing happy birthday, but you don't know who it is. Uh, one time I took my wife, Colleen, out to uh, like a Japanese steakhouse, you know, a hibachi. You've been a hibachi? And the guy goes, oh, it's your birthday? And uh, I was like, yeah. He goes, oh, let's sing. And he goes, happy birthday, dear person. <laughs> it was just like, I was like, that's a great so like in our house, that's what we sing now. We always do a, a chorus of happy birthday, dear person. I, I think that's, that's just a very, very true. It's I'm singing happy birthday to you. Liquid Church is five years old. Can we hear it for Morristown, New Brunswick? Glad you guys are here. Very exciting. If you're new to us, you, you may not know this actually, but uh, we, this marks the five-year anniversary of our a church just launching out in Morristown. Five years ago, we started with about 300 people who said, uh, I'll volunteer my time, my money to kind of, you know, serve this community. And we had about enough money for about five months and we, uh, to last, and we trusted God to just bring the people, and he has an incredible way. In the past five years, we've given birth to a couple of campuses. We need to say hello to our brothers and sisters in Nutley in New Brunswick. Welcome, guys. <laughs> Love you guys watching on the big screen. Thrilled that you are here, too. Uh, but we're exciting to see what uh, God has done. Um, it's been a pretty wild ride so far. We're a young church, a growing church. We launched on Easter 2007 with those 300 people. And uh, fast forward exactly five years, Easter 2011, we had over 3,000 people worshiping the name of Jesus. Just remarkable. It's just incredible to see what God's done in our midst. But on our five-year birthday, what I want to do is a series called we love, and the idea being, it's all about the things that we love, because when, uh, when my son Dell turned uh, five years old, I said, you know, what do you, what do you want for your birthday? He said, I don't know. I was like, well, what do you love, son? And, uh, and he, like, flipped the switch. He said, I love Legos. And uh, so we got Batman Legos, and it was Indiana Jones Legos, and now it's like Star Wars Legos everywhere. That's his passion. Since his fifth birthday, it's been all Legos, and he's built some crazy stuff. He turned eight years old a few weeks ago. Uh, we had a special trip to Legoland, and I'm like, I'm like super proud of him. He's like building above his age group. He's like building like, you know, 12 to 14-year-old complex stuff. And uh, together this spring, father and son moment we accomplished, we built the Lego Death Star, okay? 
Yeah, that is just, I just want to, this has nothing to do with the sermon. I'm just, I just love it. Like, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, man, we built that thing. It was 3,803 pieces. And every Saturday morning, we'd build for two hours. I am wearing smiley face pajama pants. I'll just acknowledge it, all right? But I'm proud of it because, like, you know, I, I was like, if we're going to build this thing together, I go, it's got to last because, like, a lot of stuff he builds, like, it ends up in pieces in a week. So every time he'd build a section, I would take it off and take it apart and crazy glue it. So we crazy glued the Death Star, and he goes, Dad, what's that smell? Is the glue supposed to smell like that? And I, I said, uh, no, that's the normal smell of the glue. He said, is it supposed to be all over the table like that? It tipped over on our dining room table, just started flooding with crazy glue. And so the trash compactor of the Death Star was cemented onto our dining room table. And I'm like, son, go get a kitchen knife. now!" You know, and he goes and gets this. He goes, mom's not, mom's not going to be happy with this. I said, mom is not going to find out about this. And we started like sawing. We pried it off and everything. But uh, he loves it. I love doing it with him. When it's somebody's birthday, you want to do something special. You want to like, you know, do something that they really love. So for our birthday as a church, I thought, well, what do we love? You know, it's like, well, uh, you know, obviously we love Jesus. Glad he's here. That's, very, that's a great thing. We love our cities, you know, serving others, and, and that's a passion for us. And that's really where our heart is as a church. So here's the deal. For our fifth birthday, we don't want any presents. We want to give back. We want to spread some love. And that's what this series is about, loving the things and the people who God loves. Our, our series is based on John 13, verse 35, where Jesus said, By this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you want, if you love one another. The Bible makes faith very, very simple, right? We make it complex. The Bible says, um, Christians, you're going to be known by one distinguishing characteristic. It's your love for other people. People will know that your faith is sincere. It's not just religion. If, if the love of Christ comes out of you, it's pretty basic. But we mess it up all the time. And the sad truth is some churches are known more for their condemnation than compassion. For being kind of party poopers, not the first to celebrate and serve their community. A uh, church I grew up in kind of was really focused on being very critical of culture. In other words, we'd look at the pagan world around us, and, the, and we thought our job was to criticize it. Like point out all the things that are wrong, condemn it, instead of showing Christ's compassion. But that's what our job is as followers of Jesus, to actually join him in this mission of making all things new. It's the gospels of restoration, seeing a broken world, saying we're making all things new, and we're joining Jesus in that mission. So what we're doing this spring as a church of Christ followers is to celebrate our fifth birthday by stepping out to love those who Jesus loved. Because especially those in our community who need our help the most. Uh, I need to tell you this. Our team of leaders has been like busy little bees behind the scenes, kind of coordinating a number of birthday projects that we're going to do as a church this spring. Not as a gift to ourselves, but as a gift to our communities. What we're going to do is basically drop a love bomb, Okay on some special groups of people in Morristown, in Nutley, and New Brunswick. Um, if you're new, you need to know that this church isn't for you. It's not for me. We founded this church with a mission to reach those who aren't here yet, okay? Especially the last and the least who really are closest to God's heart. So here's the deal. I'm going to challenge you today. I'm going to ask you to think as Jesus thinks. I'm going to ask you to see as Jesus sees. And I'm going to ask you then, challenge you, to love the way Jesus loved. Because the love of Christ was not just sentimental, like, oh, come here for a warm hug. It was revolutionary. It was scandalous. Jesus loved primarily untouchables, people who were social outcasts, other people that others wouldn't go near. And that's who Jesus actually gravitated towards. So I want to start out by saying, because of the way that Jesus loved, we as a church love 
untouchable. That's really our heart. We want to love those on the fringe, and that's the title of today's kickoff message if you're taking notes. I want to invite you to open your Bible to Luke chapter 17. I'll show you what I'm talking about. This is going to be our first birthday present uh, that we give one of our communities. They'll know we're Christians by who we love. Here's what it says starting at verse 11. It says, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And he was going into a village. Ten men who had what? Had leprosy met him. You guys know what leprosy is? Leprosy is an infectious skin disease. It's actually pretty gruesome, often kind of eats away at your skin. Lepers will often lose their ears, their fingers or toes, their nose. You don't see it a lot in modern day New Jersey. Leprosy still does exist in places like India and Ethiopia. But lepers were social outcasts. They lived on the margins of society. They were untouchable. People didn't want to go near them. They were required by law to keep their distance from others. That's what it says in verse 12. It says, they stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have what? Have pity on us, compassion. And when he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed or healed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice, and he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. That's significant. Jesus asked, wait, weren't all ten guys healed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Now, I know we have a hard time kind of envisioning this in the modern world, but in the first century, people with leprosy were, were truly untouchables. To be a leper meant that you lived with a very severe social stigma. Under the Old Testament law, this is actually in Leviticus, whenever lepers went out in public, they were required by law to wear torn clothing, to cover their face, and cry out, unclean, unclean. Now, I want you to imagine this. I want you to imagine you're out this afternoon, you're going out for lunch, you're walking down the street, and someone sees you and they go, oh, unclean, unclean. You'd be like, what, you know, what's, what's the deal? Get away from me. That's literally how people reacted to lepers. People would run the other way because they didn't want to catch the disease. There was no known cure at the time. And that's what's happening here. In Bible times, if somebody had an infectious disease like leprosy, the priest would expel them from the camp. They'd kick them out. They'd separate them from their family and their home and their friends and kick them out because the priest was responsible for the health of the camp. So he always monitored who was expelled, who was readmitted. So when Je that's what Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest. So leprosy had this huge stigma. In Jesus' day, they even compared leprosy to sin because they're like, it's like contagious and it's destructive and it will cause you to be separated. That's why these 10 guys were untouchables in their culture. They were ostracized. They were isolated. People feared them. They were to be avoided. So the fact that Jesus comes into contact with a whole group of lepers is incredible. They understood the stigma. It says they stood at a distance and called out, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. So here's the clash it's set up. Jesus over here and the untouchables over here. And the question is, would Jesus go near them? Would he let them come near to him? Because if you were a God follower in the first century, you would be thinking, I wouldn't touch those lepers with a 10-foot pole. Woo, don't go near them, man. You guys heard that expression, I wouldn't touch that with a 10-foot pole. You guys know where that actually comes from? 
What explanation is that in Europe around the Middle Ages, people used a pole to do what? They, it's like a gondola in Italy. They pulled their boat along. They would pull things along actually in a boat with a barge pole that was about 10 feet long. Well, in the Middle Ages, when the plague broke out all over Europe, people were dying left and right, and you say, don't go near that corpse. He may have the plague. Wait, give me the pole. And you would poke a corpse or see if it was alive or dead with a 10-foot pole. And so somebody with the plague, with these sores all over, you say, oh, don't touch him, except with a 10-foot pole. And that's how we actually got that saying. I wouldn't go near that with a 10-foot pole. Interesting, right? People watching Jesus must have thought the exact same thing. Jesus, don't go near the lepers. Don't touch it. Here, take my pole, Jesus. You, you don't want to go near those guys. They, you, you'll, get, you'll get the disease too. And the question is, what will Jesus do? Will he go near them or push them away like the rest of the culture? And this, guys, is the beauty of Jesus. See, this was not Jesus' first encounter with untouchable people. If you put your finger there and flip back to Luke chapter 5, we're told, while Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Let's read this together. This is powerful. Jesus reached out his hand. And what did he do? He touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Guys, this was shocking. This was revolution. This was culturally scandalous because nobody in their right mind would go near a leper, let alone reach out and touch one. They were terrified. They'd catch the disease just by breathing the same air. And yet Jesus reaches out. That's where we get the word outreach from. He reaches out and he touched them. Be clean. And what happened? The man was healed. Don't miss this. Apparently, the holiness of Jesus was more contagious than the sin of the man. Wow, that's powerful. That's a picture of what Christ does when he moves into someone's sin-warped life. His presence literally brings wholeness. It brings healing, restoration. Immediately, the leprosy left him. Don't you love Jesus? I love that we don't follow a religion. We follow Jesus Christ. His compassion for all was so great that he modeled a new law for all of his followers. In Jesus' ministry, there were no untouchables. Christ refused to carry a 10-foot pole. He would reach out to help anybody in need because his singular focus in life was demonstrating the Father's love and compassion rather than fear of contamination. You may not touch me, but I'll touch you. And boom, their lives were changed. Jesus loved the untouchables. And because of that, so should his followers. That's why at Liquid, I hope to say, we love untouchables. Now, the question in my mind is, who is that in our day? Who are the untouchables? I mean, who, who are like the modern-day lepers of the 21st century? People who like carry a severe social stigma. Like, is it, like Mets fans? You know, like, what? <laughs> who would that? Who <laughs> oh, whack off. Woo, back off. Who would that be? On a serious note, one of the most obvious parallels in the last 30 years would be people living with AIDS or HIV. How many of you remember back into 1981 when that first kind of came on the scene? Back to 1981, you do a little rewind, yeah. At first, it had no name. It was just this mysterious affliction that affected primarily gay men. And then it was like, no, drug users. And then it expanded. It was like, no, people with hemophilia. There's some Haitian uh, community uh, began outbreaking there. It wasn't until 1982 that it was actually given the name AIDS or acquired immune deficiency syndrome. And it was terrifying at first because there was no known cure. There still is no cure for AIDS, but people are living a lot longer. 
because of antiretroviral drugs. But you probably remember at the beginning, it was, it was terrifying. First, there was a high-profile case with Rock Hudson, uh, who kind of, people were like, what? I don't, I don't, he, the Hollywood star had a secret life as a gay man. And people were like, oh, it's a gay disease. But then it was Magic Johnson. And it was like, what, a high-profile athlete? He actually contracted it through his promiscuous behavior. So it was like, well, you know, that's very, you know, you know, that's sexually broken behavior. But then it was Ryan White who really broke it wide open. You remember Ryan White? He was a middle school boy from Indiana who contracted AIDS through a blood transfusion. He was a hemophiliac. And at the time, the teachers and parents in his town started a rally to keep him out of school because he was unclean. Don't go near that boy. Don't touch him with a 10-foot pole. And he kind of became the poster child for AIDS in the 80s to realize this is not just a gay disease. This is something that's just like expanded. Before Ryan White, it was primarily like, well, there's just some people with high-risk behavior. But did you know this? Two decades later, the face of AIDS today has changed almost 180. Today, over 12 million children in Africa have been orphaned due to AIDS. That's not kids who just have AIDS, kids who have been orphaned. See, in the last 20 years, it's moved from this like domestic epidemic to a pandemic. AIDS has gone global, okay? And while people living with AIDS in America is very common now because of those antiretroviral drugs, in sub-Saharan Africa, there are over 21 million children and adults living with HIV and AIDS. That's almost 70% of everyone afflicted with the disease. And the majority of kids who have it have contracted through no fault of their own. They were infected at birth when it was passed down from their HIV-positive mother through pregnancy or breastfeeding. So that's the global face of AIDS today, 20 years later. So our awareness in the States, it's kind of lowered a little bit, but it has mushroomed globally. I want you to consider this. In 1990, the total number of people living with AIDS was around 8 million, but by 2010, it was 34 million. And sadly, historically, the church has been very slow to respond. AIDS has been one of those issues that for a lot of Christians has been untouchable. They don't want to go near that disease with a 10-foot pole. And there's several reasons for that. Fear would be one of them, right? Ignorance. Some people don't know that AIDS actually is not, it isn't contagious through casual contact. You, you can't actually catch AIDS from touching or, or hugging or, or, or sharing silverware or, or, or using a toilet with someone who has the virus. You don't get AIDS from a mosquito bite, okay? Or someone's like tears or something like that. AIDS is transmitted in one of three ways, through ca casual sexual contact with someone who's HIV positive, by sharing dirty needles, or by being born to an HIV positive mother. Those are just the facts, okay? Just to level set the record here. But AIDS still carries this stigma. A lot of Christians don't want to touch this issue with a 10-foot pole, unclean, unclean, the gay people. And it's not just because of fear or ignorance, see? But it's judgment. Historically, the church has been very slow to extend compassion because the thinking goes like this. It's like, well, you kind of brought this on yourself, you know, through your lifestyle choices by, you know, choosing to be gay or, you know, taking drugs or, or being promiscuous. Your sinful behavior brought this on. It's like leprosy, unclean, unclean. And a lot of Christians today, they call in the name of Jesus, but the truth of the matter is they treat people living with AIDS like modern-day lepers. I don't know if you saw this. This is so upsetting. The pastor in North Carolina this past week, you catch this? He told parents in his congregation that if their children were effeminate or, or acting gay, to actually beat them. He said, if your son has a limp wrist, you got to crack that wrist and punch him, beat the gay out of him. As if this was the message of Jesus. As if gay folks, or even potentially gay, are untouchable. I don't want to go near him. 
I don't want, give me the pole. I don't. The truth is, if you're going to follow Jesus Christ and take his model of ministry seriously, the truth is it's time to break the pole. Amen? It's time to break the pole. Because for, for Jesus, there are no untouchables. And for our church, there shouldn't be either. Amen? So for our birthday, we're going to actually break the pole here in New Jersey. We're going to follow Jesus out into the community to serve those who are living with AIDS right here in our neighborhood. Specifically, we're going to serve the residents of the Eric Johnson House, which is a transitional housing facility for men and women with HIV who are homeless. It was actually, it's actually located right off the green next to our Morristown campus. It was founded in 1990 by a, a local couple whose son, Eric, had AIDS. And what they found is a lot of people with the disease would be shunned by their families. They, they, they'd suddenly, because they were misunderstood, they'd be thrust out, and all of a sudden they don't have a home or anything like that. So they provide housing for homeless men and women for up to 18 months who are living with AIDS. Now, the cool thing is, we did, this isn't a ministry like we randomly chose or you like heard of off the internet or something. You know, things at Liquid are much more organic than that. But this came on our radar, the Eric Johnson House, through one of our life groups led by Ron Kustis, who's now at our Nutley campus. So grateful for you guys. His life group first established contact because they want to begin cooking a weekly meal just to serve the residents of the home to show them the love of Christ. So Ron Kustis and his life group uh, members go there regularly to cook for the residents, and they just love on them through the ministry of food. It's one of Ron's spiritual gifts. And this is like a true taste of heaven, guys. Let me give you a little sample of what they do. Hi, my name is Ron, and we're here at Eric Johnson House today. Actually, now it's known as New Jersey Aid Services. And I'm here with my life group, great group of guys over here, and we're here to cook the Sunday meal for the residents of the Eric Johnson House. So we met with the staff here, and we asked if they had any specific needs. And one of the needs was that they needed people to come cook meals for the residents. And I'm like, uh, sign us up. I've been doing this for 20 years. This is the one thing I can do in life is cook, cook meals. Um, so we've been coming ever since. We've been coming here for about five years now. As soon as I started attending Morristown is when we started coming here and cooking. One of those people who I never thought would actually be serving, especially um, a group of people who you might not have anything in common with, is actually Mr. Alex Choi, who was actually cutting potatoes over there. The first week, I'm like, okay, Alex, cut some vegetables. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, Alex, we're here to cook. <laughs> like, you need to, he had no idea how to cook vegetables. Isn't that right, Alex? Some of us will be serving and cutting. Uh, some of us will be cooking. Some of us cleaning. Some of us will be prepping work. So uh, each one of us little jobs, work as a team, and in the end, we all get to eat. When I first came here, I didn't even know how to cook. And now at least I'm upgraded to cutting, so that's good, you know? This is actually my first time here at the Eric Johnson House, and I'm just really excited to be here. Chelsea and I, my fiance, we were just bouncing around from church to church trying to find a church home once we got engaged. We just slowly started getting plugged in, and I had the opportunity to meet Ron and Alex at Life Group Lunch. It's amazing how God works, because we were so hungry for community, and we were able to form that community right away and now I can say I have two new friends and it's awesome. Christians should care about people living with HIV because they are your neighbors, they are your relatives, they're the people that you do not know have HIV. 
One of our volunteers was a little hesitant and he came up to me and he says, Ron, you know, I'm just a little hesitant dealing with the clients or the residents that are here. And I was like, why is that? He goes, well, I never met anybody with AIDS before and I just don't want to freak out or don't want to act inappropriately. And I said, well, you know that girl that you've been talking to for the last hour and cooking next to? He goes, yeah, she's like really sweet. I said, she has AIDS and you would have never known it and you interacted totally fine with her. And he just like kind of opened his eyes, you know, so he took his preconceived notions of the disease and kind of like wiped them out. Look outside of yourselves, you know, I mean, Christianity isn't supposed to be your comfort zone. Just take a step of faith and just God will honor that. You get to serve with fellow Christians who are just wanting to serve God and to glorify Him. God has loved us unconditionally by sending His Son. The least we can do is show a little bit of love back on His creation and on His people. Can we hear it for Ron and his life group? Thank you, guys. Thank you for leading us that way. So proud of you guys. We're proud of the Eric Johnson house. It's just incredible. Folks, that's what Christian ministry is supposed to look like. That's, that's what it means to do ministry in Jesus' name. It's finding pockets of people who have been forgotten or cast to the fringe of society and taking the 10-foot pole and we break it in Jesus' name. So our first birthday present as a church this spring is going to be giving the Eric Johnson House an extreme makeover, okay? Because the home provides a lot more than just a roof over the head. It helps people with AIDS. They, um, uh, they find um, transitional housing, mental health services, because there's a lot psychologically that happens with that, substance abuse counseling, uh, food pantry assistance gives them job skills. It just really helps them get back on their feet. But most importantly, it gives them something the culture doesn't offer typically, respect, dignity, and compassion that they need the most. To date, over 220 people have gone through the Eric Johnson House. That's about 5,000 total who have benefited from the work of New Jersey AIDS Services. So it's, this is a very substantial way to serve an underserved community. Um, this past week, I visited the, the Eric Johnson House, had a chance to talk with Carrie, who was the program director there. And let me just tell you, she is like so thrilled <laughs> that a Christian church like ours is just reaching out to humbly ask how we can come alongside and support the work they're doing there. There's a ton we can do. She's like, you could do this. She started making a list. So, uh, so I said, you know what, Carrie, why don't you just kind of walk our church through how we can help and serve the residents. So on May 26, Liquid, here's what you're going to do. Hey, guys, I'm here with Carrie, who's the program director at the Eric Johnson House, which is really an incredible ministry to men and women who are homeless living with HIV and AIDS. And Carrie, tell us a little bit about how many residents are currently living in the home. Okay, right now we have eight people living in the home. We have a mix of both men and women. Um, we, you know, do not discriminate. So we have African Americans, we have white, we have homosexual, heterosexual, we have all kinds of clients in the house. It's really an amazing thing because they have capacity for about 10 residents, but they have hundreds more on their wait list because this is a one-of-a-kind facility really in all of Morris County, and we have an incredible chance to make an impact. So let's go inside and check it out. Although the kitchen at the Eric Johnson house is modernized, there's a number of things that need upgrading. Tell us about those, Gary. Um, well, we need a new washer and a dryer, and we need a new dishwasher. Um, that's constantly breaking, it leaks. So there are multiple appliance upgrades, new washer, new dryer, new dishwasher. There's a lot of impact we can make. We'll be renovating the bathrooms at the Eric Johnson house. Tell us what needs to be done there. Well, we need new sinks and new tiles, new toilets. We just really need to kind of brighten it up and freshen it up. New vanities, new painting. We're going to do an extreme makeover of the bathroom. Now the carpet and flooring in here look very well used. 
Yes, they've been very well worn and we really need replacement. Liquid Wheat can make a huge difference by replacing all of the carpeting and refinishing the hardwood floors. Let's make a difference. So the mattresses here seem pretty well worn. Yeah, we've had these mattresses for a really long time. It's time to replace those. We're going to give all new mattresses here at the Eric Johnson House, giving the residents the comfort and care they deserve as a child of God. Now, Carrie, I noticed there's a lot of organization that needs to happen around here. Yeah, especially in our basement and in our garage. We need a lot of hands to help. It's an all-hands-on-deck operation, Liquid. Well, Carrie, we are very inspired by your ministry here at the Eric Johnson House. We're very excited to be partnering with Liquid. As we're learning, guys, Jesus' ministry, there was no issue, there was no person that was untouchable. And this is our chance to be the hands and feet of Jesus this spring. Who's excited to serve this spring? You excited to serve? This really is our chance to kind of break the pole like Jesus did. Our outreach at the Eric Johnson House is going to be on a Saturday, May 26th is the date. You can sign up to serve at liquidchurch.com. You can sign up for a couple hours, serve in the morning, the afternoon. Serve with your whole life group. Sign up as a life group like Ron's did. I love that. We're going to be there for most of the day. We're going to be refinishing floors, recarpeting, installing appliances, cleaning out, organizing rooms. The residents, I got to tell you, they were so appreciative. Um, this was really neat. One of them, we're giving them all new bedding, and one of them said, Thank goodness the mattress I had was more comfortable in prison uh, because they, they've had mattresses for like 20 years, okay? So this is a, a really hands-on way to support Carrie and the work they do at the Eric Johnson House. They do a remarkable job. Um, she told me something kind of interesting just as we were talking. She said, you know, the face of AIDS has changed, as you said, Tim, in 20, 20 years. She said, our typical client, she says, it used to be AIDS was associated with a white gay man. But now our largest increase is in young African-American women, the next generation, who are often infected through the drug use of their boyfriends. And I said, well, that's, that's an interesting shift. She said, no, it's not surprising. She said, since the 80s and 90s, that's when AIDS was so high profile. But now it's kind of fallen off the radar. So there's this younger generation that's grown up that's, that, that thinks HIV is like, a, like diabetes, like you just take a pill and you live with it. Not so. It can be deadly. It can be debilitating if left untreated. And there is a huge social stigma to be overcome by the residents. She told me about one... Uh, young man, he was a um, he delivered meals to like elderly people, like a like a healthcare, like a, you know delivery meal service, that sort of thing. And when the family he was bringing the meals to learned that he was HIV positive, they said, "Get out of our house and take your disease with you." And he had like served them for years. Guys, listen. It is not a sin to be sick. Can you say that? It's not a sin to be sick. Jesus didn't ask the group of lepers. Now, how exactly did you guys contract this uh, disease? Jesus always steps over issues of blame or social stigma, and he simply loves unconditionally. He drew close to the lepers. He touched the lepers. And catch this, his presence healed the lepers. There's something healing when followers of Jesus Christ, we just actually follow in his footsteps and love people who are suffering with no strings attached. Love is the agenda. We're not going to convert anybody, okay? We're going to simply show compassion. Because of Jesus, we were once untouchable. But now we've been brought nearer to Christ. So we live that way. Guys, it doesn't matter how a person got infected. What matters is how it affects you. People living with HIV or AIDS, they're people that Jesus created, people that Jesus loves, people that Jesus died for. 
And his story of the Good Samaritan teaches that when you see someone bleeding on the side of the road, you don't say, so was it your fault? You just step in to love them. You just love them. And you know what? There's power in that. If you go back to Luke 17, look at this. Jesus reaches out. He touches the lepers. The group of 10 are healed. But it says, only one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. And he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a what? A Samaritan. Talk about a twist. Not only was this guy a leper, he was also a Samaritan. This was a half-breed race who Jews despised. They're like, you live in Long Island. There was, there, <laughs> I'm serious, there was racial prejudice, there was religious bias, but Jesus like, I'm breaking through all of that. And you know what? It broke through for one of them. Jesus said, weren't all 10 guys cleansed? Where's the other nine dudes? Has no one had time to come back and praise God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, look at this, rise and go, your faith has made you well. You know what the Greek says? Your faith has saved you. In other words, of all the 10, they were healed, but only one was saved. Who? The leper, the Samaritan the most irreligious, excluded, stigmatized guy in the group. He was the one who saw that Jesus was God's son, and he was saved. His heart just responded to grace. He responded with a grateful heart. And that's our hope, guys. That's our prayer. That as followers of Jesus, our ministry is just to go to those who society says are untouchable, and when we love them, that the love of Christ will be so attractive, so winsome, so irresistible and authentic that people ultimately see that and they put their trust in Jesus. Amen? That's the goal. That's, that's what it means. That's the healing that every single one of us needs. See, we think there are others like who need Jesus. The Bible says because of the sin nature in our heart, we're all untouchables in God's sight. Every one of us, by our nature, the sin in our heart, we're objects of God's wrath. That's why he sent Jesus to actually shed his blood, take the judgment, and cleanse our sin whether it's the brokenness of making bad choices or judging others who do. We all need cleansing in our heart. And that's why Christ came. He not only forgives our sins, but then he fills your heart with the Holy Spirit and compassion comes out of it. That's what true worship is about. So I hope you will sign up for our outreach at the Eric Johnson House on May 26th. Now, this outreach takes place in Morristown, but I should also mention this. We have outreaches planned in New Brunswick, in the city of, New Bru- of, of Nutley as well. We're gonna, I'm going to give you the details. I'm kind of hiding those details from you until next week. But all of our campuses, you're welcome to sign up to serve in Morristown, okay? I'm actually hoping there's going to be like kind of a cross-pollination going on here. That as we announce the good news, guess what? There's no untouchables in Jesus' ministry. And we go, may it be so with us, amen? We're going to break some 10-foot poles together because that's what followers of Christ do. So here's the deal. I just want to talk to some of you who don't know Christ, or you're not, you're you're coming to church, and you're like, I don't know about this whole Jesus thing. This is what it means to be a follower of Christ. When you become a Christian, it's not about joining a narrow-minded religious club. It's quite the opposite. When you invite Christ into your heart, and his life begins living out through you, all of a sudden, you join this mission, this global mission, that God has to make all things new. God so loved the world that he gave his son. He says, now I want you to give yourself to show my love to other people. And that's the spirit that we're going to serve this spring. So if you haven't become a follower of Jesus yet, why not? (laughs) It's not an invitation to boring judgmental religion. It is this beautiful adventure and it will be the most fulfilling thing that you do with your life. It has been for me. 
I hope you will consider that if you are thinking about becoming a follower of Christ. Don't let the church get in the way of seeing Jesus. Amen? We're broken, but he's still working on all of us. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for that truth, that in your sight we were all untouchable, but because of Jesus, we have been cleansed by the blood of Christ. We have been filled with the Spirit, and now we're brought near to the Father. Praise you, Father, for that. I praise you for men and women who have given their lives to following Jesus. Lord, it's a road less traveled. There will be people who don't understand us, but we know you'll be well pleased. We're living for you, Father, an audience of one. And I ask, Father, as we go out to humbly serve our cities this spring, people would see Jesus. Lord, we don't want to just change the perception of Christians, but of Jesus. The Father is not angry. The Father is not wagging his finger in judgment. He's opened his arms, and he has sent us to be heralds and messengers of grace. So, Father, use the grace of Christ. Let it flow through Liquid Church, out in our communities, and let people be drawn to Jesus. We ask that in his name and for his glory. All God's people said together, amen, amen. Thanks for listening to Liquid Church Media. If you were inspired or challenged by today's message, we hope you'll tell a friend. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins.